Mr. Stone is the next card in the pack. It's an asset executive, two to res, two to trash, four influence. Whenever the runner takes two, takes one or more tags, do one meat damage. Uh, my view on this one, guys, is that um, until we see a corp card that has multiple instances of give the runner one tag, this is not going to be good enough. Like it's just too vulnerable to keep in a remote and try and assemble any sort of credible combo with. And it just doesn't have enough incidental impact on the game, I don't think. Do you have a different view, Wilfio Hollis? Mm. Nope. <laughs> Wilfie? Mm, I don't think so. Like it reminds me of uh, Synth, the the card with the comma, you know. DNA modification. Yeah. Yeah. Um, basically does the same thing, um, sort of. But they both have the same problem in that you're kind of relying on something that doesn't happen that often in the game and you're playing an asset that boosts that but doesn't really do anything when you can't get that thing to fire. Like, it's already a hard enough thing to have happen that it has to be your primary game plan and then this just compounds your, like, it's a... It compounds in effectiveness that strategy when it's going well, but when it's not going well, it just does nothing at all. Yeah. And it's very fragile. Yes, that too. Yeah. Cool. Uh, next card in the pack is Bloodletter. It's an Ice Sentry Destroyer. Three to res, four strength, two influence. The runner must either trash one program. It's got one subroutine. The runner must either trash one program or trash the top two cards from his or her stack. So they get a choice. This is... Smells like a bit of a Scorpius plant. So they either trash one program, which they're probably never going to do, in which case they trash the top two cards from their stack. So really, you know, that's the least impactful part of it. So you'd expect that that's what it's going to do most of the time if it fires. Is that enough for a piece of ice that costs three, Hollis? So the thing is, like, at, at four strength, it means that it's above the mimic range, which is which is sort of the... Mm, it is, you know, obviously at this point in the in Netrunner, like you want it to be above three, because Mimic isn't going anywhere, so that's a positive. Um, it's only one sub. I kind of wish they could somehow break the two options into two separate subroutines. Mm. Like that, to me, that would be an amazing three four. That would be very fair for Wayland, considering they don't have a lot of code gates. Mm. Um, but I mean, it's a century. As in, oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. It yeah. is a century, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think that would be fine. Even if it was, if it was two subs, it would still be fine. Um, I don't know. Like I made the statement before, the ice rarely, rarely ever triggers in Netrunner, and I feel like uh, Bloodletter is a little like okay. So you run in the beginning of the game, um, and so you have no breakers in play. So. You guys clarify this for me. If I make a run, turn one, I say I click one, I run R and D. You res Bloodletter. I have no programs installed. Uh, do I get to choose the trash one program, or no? The runner you have to take, you have to take two, to cards? Trash two cards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you have to trash two cards. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that the wording makes it work that way makes it a little better than like you know the the way that we normally have it operate where zero is a number, and so. I can say, okay, I'll trash this Gordian Blade that isn't installed because it's not there. Um, okay. I think it's fine. Like, that, that's what I would actually say. I think it's fine. 
Mm-hmm. I would include it, I think, most of the time. If, I'm, a playing, if I'm playing, yeah, in a Scorpio's deck, I would include it most of the time. I think. Okay. Cool. Next card in the pack is Colossus. It's a six to res Sentry Destroyer, four strength, two influence. Colossus can be advanced and has plus one strength for each advancement token on it. If Colossus has three or more advancement tokens on it, resolve the parenthetical text instead. Otherwise, do not resolve it. So this has the Morseless ability as well as the Ice Wall ability. So it's got both of the benefits of advancement counters. So it's pretty good. What do the subroutines do? Uh, the first one is give the runner one tag and then in parentheses, give the runner two tags. The second subroutine is trash one program in parentheses, trash one program and one resource. For me, guys, the fact that this doesn't have an end the run on it is a problem. Uh, even when you get the parenthetical text, I think that's what makes Morseless sort of seem attractive is that once you put in the investment to get it up to three counters, you sort of lock down that server a bit more and make it much harder to get into. Whereas with this, they're just taking an extra tag and trashing a resource in addition to the program, which if they don't have any resources does nothing. Um, and that's, yes, it gets plus three strength as well, but it's still, we know that advancing something three times is so much effort to go to. Um, how do you both feel about this card, Wolfie? I don't know. I think like it's a, I, I'm not so sure that the lack of a tra- uh, end the run subroutine is that much of a drawback on this card. Like, you know, how, unless they don't have any programs in the very early game and in the very early game, giving the runner a tag is fairly impactful, um, even if they is don't it? have any programs. I think so. Like, maybe you don't want to pay six for your ice just to do that, but... Mm, I, I think impactful. you never do. Sure, but I feel like it's enough to deter... I, I don't think it's, like, the the fact that it doesn't have an end of run means that the runner can just run through this with impunity, even if they don't have anything... Like, they don't necessarily have a resource or a program or etc, right? No, but I mean, compare it to Morseless. It's two less to res in the early game. And it does the same thing in that it gives them a tag. It also gains you a credit and it also does a net damage. Yes, but I think being a, like, trashing a program is better than both of those subroutines, I think. Early in the game, I'm not sure that it is. Like, if they don't have any. Like, I would much rather res Morseless on Essential and turn one or two than this. And it's That's also true. to do with okay, installing sure. and yeah. sequencing. Like, if this is in your opening hand, installing it on one of your Essentials in a world where Temujin is still really popular also sucks. Whereas installing Morseless on Essential, resing it, means that it's got its first mode active and its first mode does something. And then if you want it to be an end-the-run ice on the inside of the server later, it can be that. Whereas this kind of sucks on the inside of a server later, and it sucks early. So it's, know, only, like it's, it's only good on the outside, I guess is what I'm saying. So if you draw this in the mid-game, it's great, but... Mm, I still feel like that its strength to subs to cost ratio is still pretty, I think, good. Like, it ha- it's, has it's a six cost, four strength, two relevant subs, and, mm. like, a vaguely relevant second ability is, I think, a reasonable rate for a sentry, like... Wayland, I don't think if you can't play Archer in your deck for whatever reason, like Wayland doesn't actually have 
any, very many good centrics that I would consider better than this card. No. Like, so, I mean, you sort of have to play something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're right that this is the next best sentry if you can't play Archer um, and is, you know, better than Archer in a lot of situations where Archer can be shut down in one way or another. Um, yeah, I'm just concerned that even compared to Archer, you know, the lack of and the run is a big issue. But more to the point, I think getting the three advancement tokens is such a big impost that the benefit you get for doing that is a little too low on this card i mean maybe i'm underestimating the strength so maybe uh, plus the initial res cost i think is reasonably high so i guess what i'm saying is if you had a way if wayland had a better way to defray the cost of advancing ice if there were more efficient ways to put more advancement tokens on multiple ice then i could see this being played but at the moment with just sort of shipment from kaguya as really it which i don't think you can afford to include as an economy card yet index I don't think this is quite getting there for me. I also think that four strength sentry, like four strength is the, like the point at which most sentries become good. I think like mm. MK ultra mimic and mongoose all struggle a little bit against four strength sentries more yep. than I think five strength code gates do for code gates because you have refractor, um, and Gordian blade, etc. True. True. Um, not that, like, Guardian Blade is sort of not that great at bre- breaking Mausolus, but I feel like that's better than it seems just because of the common uh, killers that are being played now. Uh, Hollis, what do you think? Um, hmm. So... <laughs> Oddly enough, I would put it in the same page as, well, not not exactly the same page, but in a similar page to Bloodletter. Like, I feel like the card is fine. Okay. Like, to me, it's a card, it's a card I would want to play two of, and I would wa- I would basically want to see how the game is impacted by a, effectively, like a seven-strength sentry in play. Because, like, no matter what you do, that is a taxing, like, scenario. Mm. There aren't a lot of those in the game, right? And and like the, the subroutines available are you know at at three advancements, trash your program, trash your resource, and give the runner two tags. In Waylon, those things can be very punishing, obviously for obvious reasons, right? Um, so like it's 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 sort of like a as a six four with the base subs, it's okay. I feel mm. like he gets a, a pretty good bump as a as a six or i guess technically like a nine seven um because at seven strengths number uh, seven strength you pretty much have to fim it or just pay a lot of money to get past it anyways and the subroutines on it are pretty annoying subroutines tags means all resources are dangerous um and it means you open yourself up to scorches or or um booms and then like trashing a program and a resource so get rid of your Wow, get rid of your Temujin contract and get rid of this, like, uh, paperclip. All those things sound really good to me. So when you said 9-7, I think if you could make this a 9-7 by having efficient ways to adva- put advancement tokens on ice, then yes, it would be good. But at the moment, I think right. it's more 11.57. Yeah, that's that's true. Like, I feel like every time I talk about, like, advanceable ice, 
I would assume that my opponent is running something like Shimmer from Kaguya, where they can choose two cards, say Advancement, Advancement, but we all know that's rarely the case. Mm-hmm. Next card in the pack is Hailstorm. It's a 6 to res, 5 strength barrier. Two subroutines. One is remove a card in the heap from the game. The other is end the run. So following on from when we spoke about Scorpios and then we said the only way to really get around the ability is to pitch cards at the end of your turn into the heap. And that's the way a lot of people who are playing against Scorpios who are playing the um, Paperclip MK Ultra suite of breakers will get those breakers into the bin safely. Uh, does having this on a central early allow you to maybe just get that paperclip out of there, Wilfie? Uh, mm, no, it's fairly unlikely to remove paperclip, right? Because they need to be running without the money to even install. Oh, sure. Sorry, uh, MK Ultra. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it can get the other two, but I f- sort of feel like the if you're not specifically hitting Conspiracy Breaker, or I guess maybe Levy, the cost for this is just... This card is just way too underpowered. Like, mm. six cost for five strength with potentially only one relevant subroutine is like very bad makes means that in a lot of situations you might not even be able to res it even if it is going to be impactful like Hmm. it doesn't even have the firewall potential upside so you pay one more than firewall and you're losing the advanceable ability and gaining this other subroutine Mm -hmm. um and like i think the subroutine is narrow but like not especially powerful okay next card in the pack is hortum it's a four to res four strength code gate can be advanced if there are three or more advancement counters on it it cannot be broken by ai and resolve the parenthetical text instead the first subroutine is corp gains one parentheses corp gains four Second subroutine is end the run, parentheses, search R&D for up to two cards, add them to HQ, shuffle R&D, and end the run. This is more like my sort of ice. For me, this is the best of the Wayland ice in this pack. Um, I think four for four on a code gate, yeah, it's not incredible, um, but at least you're forcing a pump from something like Refractor. You're forcing a pump from Gordian Blade, you're forcing a pump from uh, Passport, and from Black Orchestra. So in that sense, it's, you know, in that second tier of code gate strengths, the zero to two, I think is the first one. And then um, three, four, five, three, four, five is the next one. So this is in that middle tier. Um, uh, the subroutines, I think, are relevant. Having a credit back plus end the run as a face check penalty early is cool, making it effectively cost three. And the fact that it's AI proof can be just so, so important. And it's not something that Wayland's had later on, meaning that the second mode is actually significantly better than the first in a lot of situations. What are your thoughts, guys? Wilfie? Uh, yeah, I think so too. I think Wayland, like, as we've been bemoaning for quite a while, Wayland really needs an anti-AI card. And while this isn't the most straightforward of them, because you still need to advance your thing, like, against the deck that is forced to rely on AIs to break things, then, you know, you might as well be spending, you can spend an inordinate amount of resources if it will keep them out, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And otherwise, it's, like, fairly well-costed, I think. In terms of strength, it's about the same as, like, in terms of the, how good the strength and subroutines are, it's about as good as Mausolus. Um, And so if the AI ability is very important then i can see it easily being better hollis it's a pound for pound i mean 
in general, we find in Wayland like uh, like pound for pound ice is pretty common in barriers, but not so common in, in uh, code gates, right? Because they lack so they lack so many available code gate options. So a pound for pound four for four code gate is already good, but when we tackle on the added ability of you know instead of the corp gaining one, the corp gains four. Instead of um, instead of in the run, it search R and D for two cards out of HQ and then in the run, like the card gets a lot better. Um, the only thing I, I sort of wish, and maybe this is asking too much, I wish this card was the Colossus instead. Yeah, I wish I wish that instead of like Wayland getting the Sentry that they boost to a seven strength. Instead, they get the code gate that boosts to a seven strength, and it has these really good abilities. They gain money and do your like uh, do your your deep R and D dig because those are mechanics we've seen in Wayland before. They make a lot of sense, um, and it of course would lend itself to a code gate. In like, but even if I ignore that, like I, I think that um, you know, let's call it a spade a spade. It's a code gate that's above three strengths, so it beats Yog. Uh, and it can't be broken by AI if it has advancement tokens on it. So, probably worth playing in Wayland. Cool. Hunter Seeker is the next card. It's been much talked about, and we mentioned it in our discussion of Scorpios earlier. It's a two-to-play operation, double Gray Ops. As an additional cost, spend a click. Pay only if the runner stole an agenda during his or her last turn. And the text is, trash one card. So that's a very powerful ability for corps to have, much broader and uh, more impactful than a lot of the, the existing trash abilities, uh, particularly when it's paired with Scorpius, but even outside. The restrictions, though, in terms of being a double, meaning that you can't play two in one turn ordinarily, and only being able to be played if the runner stole an agenda in the, in the last turn, meaning that not only does Film Critic turn it off, but once they're at five or six points, generally this is not going to be playable. Uh, are those drawbacks too much to hold this back, Wilfie, or are they appropriate given the significant power level of trashing one card? Yeah, I think this card is still pretty strong. Like, even if we, you know, disregard its use specifically as a tool in Scorpios, it's still, I think, strong in any Wayland deck that wants to advance ice early just because, like, um, if you rush out an agenda behind one piece of ice and then they can get into that server, you can secure that um, remote again, which I think is a pretty powerful ability if you're trying to score points early. Um, and, like, yeah, it's true that you can't play two, and the usual caveats apply that there are runner cards that are good against this, but I still feel like it's not that hard to maneuver, like, for something that only costs two, it's not that hard to maneuver yourself into a situation where this is pretty impactful on the board. Hmm. Cool. Uh, Hollis, do you have any thoughts on this? Or have we... I think we've probably covered no, I, it. I, I think Wolfie nailed it. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's good. I mean, even being conditional, like, being conditional in the way that it is, it's still an incredibly impactful card. Early game, if you do a Maker's Eye, a Legwork, a random R&D run or HQ run, you grab an agenda, the Corp gets the option to say, whatever that... Like, you just played your paperclip. Or you just played... Your Gordian Blade, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, trash this. Oh, by the way, I'm trashing it. I'm Scorpios. Remove it from the game. Like that, to me, that's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. Next card in the pack is KP Lin. 
It's the Wayland Caprice Nisei, if you like. Uh, okay, that's maybe overselling it a little bit. It's one to res, three to trash, upgrade executive. Whenever the runner passes all of the ice protecting this server, he or she must either take one tag or end the run. Uh, can Wayland decks these days make one tag punishing enough that this can be a Caprice Nisei, Hollis? Well... Uh, I mean, the problem is Aaron Mar Maron. Like, mm. like, like if you play Crim, <laughs> you play if you play Crim, you play one or two Aaron. Right? Yeah. If you play Shaper, you're probably playing. Uh, oh God, what is it? Interdiction? No, misdirection. Misdirection. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, or you can the, just play the Aaron. Ability... Yeah, yeah. You just play Aaron. <laughs> like Aaron is so good because it, it's it's. I, I said this before we recorded. It's an amazing passive card. You play it and you just sit and you just wait for the game to actually play itself. And you just get this added benefit. Even if you don't ever get tagged, you just say, hey, I have free card draw because you fast advance an agenda. So, like, um, I don't think this card is very good. No, so all. it suffers from most of the Wayland tagging options. Um disease which they have at the moment things like argus yep. the fact that they just get so heavily hosed by all the tag hoses that have to exist because ctm and hard-hitting news were so good just means that right. any any tag card that comes out of wayland that is always going to be lower in power level than the nbn tagging options is now so far behind the curve because the answers to tags are so good yes pretty much yeah pretty much i think also even... i would like to add oh, oh yeah sorry hollis yeah. first and then wolfie yeah well, I would like to add that <laughs> this would be the next. So we, when we looked at, uh, oh God, sorry. When, when we looked at the card, the three one, we, uh, illicit sales. Yeah. Illicit sales feels like it should be a neutral card and profiteering should be the Wayland card. Yeah. KP Lynn feels like it should be the neutral card and price sex should be the Wayland card. Incredible. Like it just feels like those are, those are very clear like trades that should be sw like swapped from neutral to the um, within Wayland faction, but whatever. Wealthy. Yeah, I was just gonna say the same thing as Hollis. Compare it to Prysec. I think it's much worse. Yep. Oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. That's, that's good. Also, uh, props to FFG because I want to point out, uh, Mister Stone and KP Lynn are in the same pack. And if you guys don't know, KP Lynn stands for Kelly Lynn Petrowski, who is Damon's wife. Wow, ah, there you go. Damon Stone's wife. So like, they thematically kept Damon or Mr. Stone and his wife in the same pack. It's very cool. Excellent. Uh, next card in the pack is Paper Trail. It is a four for two agenda security. When you score Paper Trail, trace six. If successful, trash all connection and job resources. And this is neutral, no influence. Uh, so you get to, when you score at your trace, and you can trash any connections and jobs. Connections are quite good at the moment between Aaron, Film Critic, and maybe Scrubber. Jobs, you've got Temujin and potentially Bank Job. But that's probably not hanging around on the board for long. So if you can land this trace, it's okay. But is this what you want your agenda to be doing, Wilfie? I mean, I don't think it's so bad. Like, I sort of see it as a reverse corporate sales team. Instead of giving you a lot of money over time it drains the runner for a bit and like connection there are enough connections and jobs that if you are playing a deck that cares about that sort of thing like you really need to kill film critic or 
you really need to kill Aaron or etc. Then this testing's is a, a job lead. too, I guess. Yeah, like you know, there are enough incidental things, but I feel like if you're doing it, you're mostly gonna want to kill um, either of those two cards. Yeah, Aaron or film critic. Yeah. Um, I also think that it works well with Brian Stinson because it's another way for the corp to cost the runner credits during the corpse turn which i think there aren't really that many good ones at the moment like things that aren't terminal yeah um and so yeah like i can definitely see this card being a good option if you're a deck that cares about connections and also you know can either have a large monetary lead so that you can land this or you can or it's like six is enough that even a four for two when you score it, the runner pays five or pays six would be a good card, I think. Um, it's just that whether you can get, uh, whether you can sculpt a situation where the runner has connections or jobs enough of the time that that's actually going to be what it does. And I think in this for, uh, and I think in this meta game, you definitely can because most decks have one or not both of those two things. Great. So definitely uh, one to consider. Next card in the pack is Honey Farm. It's a quite strange asset. Ambush, zero to res, two to trash. If Honey Farm is accessed from R&D, the runner must reveal it. When the runner accesses Honey Farm, he or she loses one credit. So that triggers even from archives. So this is another sort of archives run punishment card. It seems okay to me, but whether it's good enough to make it into any ordinary deck, I don't think so. But in genomics, potentially, Wolfie, what do you think? I just think this card is really non-impactful. Like compared to product placement, which is an upgrade, or compared to shock, or compared to even space camp, all those thing, all those cards do things that advance your game plan or in a reasonably strong way when the runner accesses them. Whereas, yeah, you know, a tax of one credit is, or like for you spending a card is almost negligible. I think. Yeah, right. I'd, I'd agree. Hollis? Yeah. No, I agree. Like, in, in order to make this card really have, like, um, like more teeth and really be worth, like, the deck slot, the trash costs probably have to be increased. Uh, losing one credit isn't that massive. So, like, even a 0 But it's an asset. Credit. Like, if it was a 0-4, oh, they just never run it again. Why? <laughs> yeah, no, not worth Not worth it. Not yeah. as an asset. Get out of here. Okay, long-term investment. It's another asset. It's got some really weird art going on there. Uh, two to res, four to trash. When your turn begins, place two credits on long-term investment. If there are at least eight credits on long-term investment, it gains click, take any number of credits from long-term investment. These sorts of cards have traditionally been really awful. Uh, Wilfie, is there any way that something that requires you to have it on the board for a specified period of time where it does absolutely nothing until it pays out and the runner can just choose to get rid of it just before it pays out. Is there any way that that can be good, do you think? Um, hypothetically, is there any way? Yeah, I guess if it, the reward was good enough that you could sculpt your game plan over getting that reward, right? Yeah. Um, like something like public support, I think, was on the edge of playability for a while and you know has been played in the past just yep. because giving you points allows you to turn your resources that you have a lot of that is credits and uh 
board presence into ways to actually win you the game, right? Whereas this mm-hmm. sort of doesn't do that just because there's no... There are lots of ways that for corpse to gain credits and there's not really any benefit to letting this pay out, you know, letting this sit there for a bit and then getting some burst of credits late when there are so many other options in the game for corpse to gain credits. Cool. I'd agree with you there. Next card in the pack is Weir. It's a three to res, three strength code gate, two subroutines. The runner loses click if able, and then the runner trashes one card from his or her grip. Um, so you got the first subroutine from Enigma and then a sort of, I don't know, soft damage where they get to choose the card to trash. Doesn't really seem worth it, particularly since, I mean, obviously Yoggable, but it doesn't seem to do a lot early and it's not even a must break later. Hollis, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Enigma Enigma's classic, you know, like... You, you lose a click and you end the run, and it's really, really inexpensive. You pay three, and if the runner has like something like a yog, then yeah, they're getting in, but at least for that first initial run, you're able to stop them from continuing that run and force them to lose like actual material, use something of subs- lose something of substance like that click. In this instance, you get the added benefit of maybe making them lose a card, but they're still getting in, and I'm not confident that the one card you would trash is always even necessarily beneficial. In a meta... Like um, versus like Scorpios, yeah, it's probably a bit better. Where if you have this card in Scorpios and in this second subroutine happens to fire, sure it can be really powerful, maybe. But in the world of like everyone having paper clips and and sat cons or deja vus or whatever number of recursion cards are available, it's really not that powerful. You almost have to be playing Scorpios to make the trash very impactful. And we, we've seen this in other games, like we, we've. We've talked about it countless times where brain damage is almost irrelevant unless it's moving you towards, like, killing the, your opponent. Like, directly resulting in an, an immediate game win. So, um, when I compare a card like this to a card like Enigma, I don't really... I can't really justify the inclusion of it to Enigma when they both share the same weakness, which is Yogg. But one, as a single-time, like, um, you know, as, as a single-time occurrence that they hit it, one ends the run, stopping them from getting extra information, whereas the other one may hit a card that's good, may not. It's a you really are rolling dice here. Anything to add there, Wilfie? Uh, not really. I think Hollis summed it up pretty well. This card really compares unfavorably to Enigma. All right, the very final card in the Terminal Directive box set is a good one. We'll finish on a high note. It's IPO. An eight to play operation terminal transaction. It's got the terminal text and then it says gain 13. Firstly, it's a transaction, so you get that small synergy. But secondly, this is effectively a restructure for eight that yes, you lose a little bit of flexibility in terms of when you play it, but gosh, that distance, the the difference between only being able to play it at 10 and being able to play it at eight is pretty huge a lot of the time for corpse. What do you think, Wolfie? Yeah, I think this uh, might be one of the strongest Oh, it definitely is one of the strongest cards in Terminal Directive, but might, and maybe I'm forgetting something, but it might be the strongest in itself, just like the already restructure was a card that we've seen countless times in any number of corp decks, and a restructure that's a lot better in terms of when you can play it, how much you have to pay in terms of 
not just deck building choices but also um, in-game choices especially early to be able to play this is a lot less than is for restructure just because you know if this costs you two fewer clicks of clicking for credits the difference is astronomical like in terms of the what the benefit it gains you throughout the game to not have to do that and I think that if we compare this to hedge fund like you can it's fairly easy to play IPO on the first or second turn while also just doing regular things even if you don't have another economy operation which makes it a lot closer I think to hedge fund than it does to restructure where you know if you drew it in your opening hand and didn't have any other sources of economy you usually had to click for credits until turn three or maybe even turn four before you could actually get it off so yeah in that like the sense, fact that you can install a piece of ice and gain two on turn one and then install another piece of ice gain a credit and play this on turn two it's just so far ahead of where you'd be with restructure exactly so yeah i think this card's really really good and i expect it to like yeah it is a terminal that is an issue especially since hard hitting news and friends in high places are so strong but Apart from that, I think that it's a card that we'll see universally for a long time coming. Excellent. Hollis, anything yep. to add on IPO? I agree. Good assessment by Wolfie. It's going to be, I don't want to say auto-include, but we're going to see it in a lot of decks You know, upcoming. It's very common in turn one, like your like standard action, something like uh, Ice Hedge. Like, like a, installing a piece of ice and playing hedge fund is pretty common. This card complements that whole combo nicely because you can say Ice, Hedge, IPO. You gain nine credits at early at the start of the game. You got a piece of Ice, you know, you can res. It's pretty solid. Sounds pretty solid. Cool, cool. So thanks for tuning in over the last four weeks as we've made our way through the Terminal Directive Big Box. We hope you've enjoyed our summary of all the cards. And as always, if you've got any thoughts about anything we've discussed today or you want to raise any other issues with us, you can email us at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can tweet us at winningagenda. You can get in touch with us on Facebook. Our like page is The Winning Agenda. Or you can check us out on Patreon. And you can throw a few dollars our way if you're in the mood. It's www.patreon.com slash thewinningagenda. Thanks for tuning in again. This has been episode 126 of The Winning Agenda. I've been Jesse Marshall here with Wilfie Horrig and Hollis Echo. We'll see you next week. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening.